Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. And folks, here we are once again, the Golden Gold Podcast coming at you live this week. As always, I'm your host, Drew Collins, joined with James Carr. You can find myself on Twitter at Collins Drew, him, James89 as well. Uh, James, interesting week in, in soccer. It kind of seems like the more things change, the more they seem the same. Um, how was your week? Uh, well, I had a pretty good weekend. Um, Georgia was not playing, so, you know, that always helps. Uh, right. These days, right. You know, got a chance to, to regroup, hopefully, um, get geared up, but um, you know, as far as as um, as soccer goes, um, it was an interesting uh, day in the MLS. I'll say I was paying a little bit of attention to um, decision day. Didier Drogba working some uh, magic, um, which really uh, put a hurting on um, Toronto. So I mean, some good entertainment with some some big names and big goals. It was uh, it was good stuff. Yeah, kind of weird. We have these big names now, as opposed to saying like a. No offense, but a Brian McBride. Um, you know, now we have a Didier Drogba a couple of years yeah. later in the MLS, which is cool, you know? Very cool. Very cool. Well, um, before we get too far into this, I want to uh, let everyone know we have a special guest on tonight, Todd Furman, um, head game analyst at Sportline.com. Todd, I know we've done this before. How are you, my friend? I'm doing all right. My- Busy with uh, football, NBA, regular season about to get launched, NHL in full swing, and, of course, the World Series. So it is a good time to be involved in the sports gambling community. Yeah, absolutely. We really appreciate you coming on, Todd. And, and some of the stuff we wanted to hit on is gambling, not necessarily you know predicting lines and predicting who we think is going to win, but kind of the overall market, where you kind of see that heading. And, and I guess what has brought my attention to it is, you look at DraftKings, you look at FanDuel. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you see these commercials on 24-7. And you see the NFL really, you know, putting, staking their claim in that yeah, in, I mean, in daily, this industry. Daily fantasy has definitely opened people's eyes when you look at what kind of wagering goes on. And I know daily fantasy, most of the bigger outfits maintain their stance that it's not gambling, that it's purely a skill game. Uh, I mean, I've spoken a little bit about that in the past. I obviously have very different sentiments, but at the same time, I think any time that people are going to try and have a little bit of financial interest in a sporting event, whether it's MLS, whether it's the premiership, major league baseball, NBA, you know, NFL, you name it. Clearly TV ratings are going to be buoyed as a direct byproduct of all of that. And I think it opens people's eyes to what folks are looking for, what the casual fan wants and his appetite for action, whether it be in traditional straight wagers, parlays, daily fantasy, you name it. Everybody wants to have a little bit of skin in the game when they can. And Todd, don't you think that the NFL has really, you know, been the the you know, the trendsetter here and, and getting out ahead of the curve of all their sports, making sure they capture that as far as gambling goes? I won't say they've really gotten out ahead of the curve. They're the organization of all the professional sports leagues right now that's staunchly opposed to legalization of sports gambling. If Roger Goodell and company were able to soften their stance, I think that we'd see the potential for regulation, full transparency, and national legalization uh, be accelerated much more. Adam Silver yeah. you know, came out and spoke pretty openly about it. He realizes that th- this stuff is inevitable. All you're doing is keeping it in dark alleys in the shadows. You may as well legalize it, try and figure out a, 
methodology to get everyone paid and turn it into a revenue generator and job creation uh, along the same lines. Right. Um, James, what did you want to uh, lead into here with, with Todd? Well, it was, uh, you know, we all, as uh, we often talk about um, you know, college football and, uh, and um, the Premier League in general, typically, but in soccer in general, in terms of some of the uh, traditions and passion. Um, but it, in, in terms of some of the unpredictabilities of the game, um, how, how is it um, different in terms of from a gambling perspective? I mean, both have the potential for serious upsets at any time. Does that, you know, play into how you guys are factoring or how lines are factored and how, um, how much action is, is, is each sport seeing and, are, and how much more is coming in on soccer in general? Oh, we've definitely seen a growth of soccer. I know a lot of the books here in Las Vegas never really offered anything aside from a three-way wager on the Prem. And now you're seeing a lot more of the European domestic leagues offered. And that's you know, a direct result of increased TV coverage. Fox has picked up Bundesliga, so you'll start to see that populated in, in some sports books. We know that being pretty active in Serie A and La Liga. The real difference, James, that comes in here is that the American better for better or worse, just really doesn't understand how to handicap soccer. The three-way line is a bit confusing, the whole wrapping your head around, wait a second, so I don't get my money back if the game ends in a draw, if I bet Team A or Team B that I actually have to take advantage of the three-way. The point spread, of course, makes a little bit more sense, and the totals market is self-explanatory. The problem being with both of those is you have major juice attached, and you run into some of the same obstacles that really hinders baseball betting. Just because folks walk up to the window and they don't typically understand what minus a dollar sixty-five uh, insinuates, the implications of taking a dollar thirty or a dollar forty on a game, they're more familiar with. Oh, I can bet the Patriots and I can lay three points against the Cincinnati Bengals. I know I have to risk eleven to ten, uh, and that's typically the scope of their understanding. Yeah. So I'm wondering if the uh, the home field advantage and in general, like how much that factors into a line, but in 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 the UK, I mean, in soccer, like the, the fields are literally different. So you have an actual home field advantage because you the fields are, you know, you build a team around what your home field is designed like. At least yeah, it's, know, it's definitely going to definitely going to play a role. But when, when you see a lot of the top clubs in England, you know, you're going to pay a premium anytime you want to back the Arsenal's, the United's the cities of the world when they're playing in their own buildings. And as a result of that, you can typically identify value in some of the mid-table or even lower-table teams when they go on the road. Uh, for instance, this year, I mean, Chelsea, a prime example. If you had the foresight to see the uh, inevitable demise that they're going through at Stamford Bridge, you know, we look at what happened today in the FA Cup. Uh, you could have made a small fortune feeding Jose Mourinho's bunch, you know, not only taking them uh, on a particular goal line, but also on the three-way given their struggles. And so when you're looking at a lot of these factors, odds markets are typically slow to adjust just because there's so much money wagered on public perception with brand name recognition. And I'd say soccer markets respond even slower uh, than what the National Football League or college football do. Is that because the amount of people who bet on the sport, Todd? Uh, that's definitely a big part. You're always going to have fan money entering the equation. Uh, and then like college football, that's only bet here domestically and maybe, you know, in a handful of other pockets around the world. Uh, you're talking about major dollars changing hands on every game in the Prem. The Manchester Derby over the weekend, uh, you're talking about betting markets in Asia, the U.K., throughout Africa, uh, you name it, anywhere in the world, people are plunking down money, and they're probably not all doing their research to know exactly what the current form of these clubs looks like. Uh, they're a Reds fan, 
or they're Red Devils fan or they're rooting for the Sky Blues in some capacity, and that's how they're going to bet it. And $10 bets can typically get ratcheted up pretty quick as far as liabilities are concerned. Is there any movement in lines based on the public here with soccer? I know that pretty much – well, you can tell me this. I would think the only sport here in the state that the public can move anything would be the NFL. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is, um, is soccer – easily influenced by the public? Yeah, I mean, nobody's really looking to any of the North American sports books for soccer action. Typically, your sharpest stuff won't be moving. Uh, Definitely not in Vegas and even throughout Costa Rica and a lot of the Caribbean. You're going to see massive moves in the Asian market first and foremost. Uh, And then, of course, you'll have steam chasers who are monitoring a lot of these books. They're trying to piggyback some of the larger betting syndicates that are out there to take full advantage. Now, the one thing you will see sometimes, and it's the real problem that we run into uh, and the casual fan will have when he comes out to Vegas, if you're betting into a three-way line, you may as well bet into the opener if they're running a 5 to 6% hold because typically what will happen, they're not going to adjust all three legs equally. So if they take a big bet on Man United, the city price stays the same. Man United moves in the direction of the bet, and the draw stays the same. So what typically should be a 5 to 6% hold proposition may escalate into 95 to 10% and really takes a lot of the value you out of the potential market. Todd, tell everyone what a three-way line is. Sure. A three-way line in soccer basically gives you uh, a couple options. You can bet, you know, team A to win the game outright. And of course, that's only in regulation and stoppage time. Team B to win the game in regulation or stoppage time or for the game to end in a draw. And of course, this creates all sorts of confusion for folks who don't quite understand it, especially when you get into knockout stages of tournaments and international competition where they go, wait, my team won in extra time, how do I not get to cash my ticket? So remember, it's only regulation for soccer. It's unlike betting the NHL, Major League Baseball, or anything else where overtime is always included. Right. And I think that's something we run into is, you know, you probably shouldn't be betting if you don't know the sport. <laughs> you don't know the rules. I mean, that, that's, generally, that, that's generally a good concept to adhere to, but you'd be amazed how many people want to bet the NFL who don't know the sport all that well either. Okay. Fair, fair enough point. Well, I kind of want to get back to the, the, the broader strokes here, Todd. Um, you may be talking over a little bit of our heads um, as far as the gambling goes, but I think that, you know, with the FanDuel, with the, the DraftKings, they've definitely um, <clears throat> set a, a stake. In, you know, the, the ESPN has invested in it. We see um, other companies investing in it as well, other owners. Do you think that, like, I guess I want to know from you, how do you think soccer can get into this? Do you see any potential – um, um, way that, that soccer can kind of put their hand in this? Or, or do you think that's kind of past itself by now? No, I think it's going to take time. Um, I, I definitely think with the growth of, of MLS that that's what's going to lead to the eventual growth, you know, synergistic growth of daily fantasy. And you mentioned before, uh, talking about, you know, big names coming from overseas to start playing uh, for the teams in our backyard. Of course, it's going to be a much better scenario when we actually get those players in their primes instead of the twilight But as you see MLS grow and you have younger and younger fans gravitating more uh, towards soccer throughout the course uh, of the summer months when it's typically a slower sports time, uh, you'll see TV ratings increase, you'll see daily fantasy, but it's going to be slow and steady. I don't think it happens overnight, uh, and there have to be real grassroots campaigns that get run. Uh, Of course, daily fantasy, you know, they're dealing with a lot of things on their own plate right now, specifically when you talk about potential regulation 
uh, and legislation there. We know what happened in Nevada about a little over a week and a half ago where daily fantasy is no longer allowed as per the gaming control board for state residents to try and participate in. So I think once they figure out what their business model is going to look like and how everything will fit together, uh, then we can see expansion in some of the secondary markets. And I shouldn't say secondary markets, uh, but probably those secondary sports that are out there. Um, how much is, uh, excuse me, um, when, when you think about the growth of the MLS, you know, obviously when there's more interest, you're going to have more <clears throat> action. But in terms of, because the games are, you know, so, um, you know, as you said, there's, there's so many variables in, in a single um, event in terms of gambling. Is, is it, I don't, do, you, do you think it will ever, um, you know, reach the sort of uh, almost cultural phenomenon or cultural fusion that it has with um, football? You know, I never want to say never, but with all the on-field and off-field issues taking place with football, I mean, we know all too well about CTE and how prevalent those discussions have become in mainstream media, that soccer is only going to grow in popularity. Some of our better athletes that, that may be a bit younger look to head in that particular avenue instead of going into a little bit more of a contact sport in football. So I think as you see the evolution and the way things go, that's what's going to help drive it more so than anything else. And the irony in it now, if you had this discussion with me 10, 12 years ago, throw daily fantasy, throw gambling out of the equation entirely, that MLS would be as popular as it's become the expansion of the league into a number of different markets. Uh, I'd have told you were nuts. So I think us saying that it can never get to football uh, would be a naive and selling in a sport short. Do I think it happens in the next three to five years? Definitely not. Todd, I think we don't need to sell gambling short here. And you can relate gambling to fantasy as well, but how much as far as percent wise, and I'm making you become the handicapper here right now. Do you think that gambling could influence the sport of soccer? I know we look at it as um, you look at Monday night football, for example, and you look at all the viewers that get, and if we want to be naive, we're going to say, yeah, all those guys just want to watch football on Monday night, but we know that's not necessarily the case. If soccer were to get a, better handling on gambling, what percent do you think they could up their potential viewership? Oh, I think it definitely drives viewership. There's no doubt about it that gambling on football, because it's so easily relatable to the casual fan, is exactly what contributes to why we have football Thursday nights, why we have Tuesday night college football in the Sun Belt and MAC. Casual fans aren't sitting down to watch these teams they've never heard of. They have a dollar invested, and I think if soccer can get a piece of the pie, uh, then it's only going to grow as well. The problem that comes in here is that you've had similar arguments made for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NHL that just haven't been uh, – they haven't found a way to try and identify gambling as a true driver, whether that's through a choice of their own or it's something that's carefully calculated. Uh, I think it's going to be a fascinating study. But we talk about baseball ratings, especially in regional markets, being up. People are kidding themselves if they don't think that's directly correlated to the growth of daily fantasy, especially during the summer months. And people are staying away from the ballparks. They'll take their 5 or 10 bucks, they'll invest it in their lineup, and they'll sit there and watch their local team or a handful of out-of-market teams uh, through a lot of the satellite packages that are widely available. So, all right, let me ask you this. And, what, and, and if you don't have an answer, I, I totally understand this. Because this is a pretty, pretty high philosophical question. But what can can soccer do is in, in the realms of, of gambling slash fantasy, daily fantasy, to increase their market share, increase their interest? I think soccer, the MLS really has to look to try and partner up with some of the bigger operators out there. 
Uh, I think you have to try and set up booths or educational forums to try and encourage people that are going into the stadiums that, hey, we're going to make these brand names familiar. And the commercials that we see that have become so prevalent on other major sporting events, not only do they have to be there for soccer, but you have to go through an educational period as well. And when you look at shows that, whether it's ESPN FC uh, and some of the other soccer programs on the different networks, you're just going to have to try and cram it down people's throats, make them more familiar. Uh, And, of course, name recognition goes a long way. So if the fans can identify with a lot of the players, not just on their favorite team, but with sides throughout the rest of the league, uh, that'll be a huge, huge boon as far as getting daily fantasy involved in MLS. Right. And and James and I were speaking uh, before you got on, and we were talking about Chelsea and kind of the great anomaly here. You have the best players in, you know, some of the best players in the league. They're struggling mightily. And I don't understand how you guys can handicap that in a fair way. I mean, like, do you do you just keep on, you know, taking like a point or two off in football terms, you know, per game where they don't produce? Like, I, I just don't get that. That seems like an unenviable task to me um, when you see a team who has so much talent and uh, allegedly the greatest uh, coach in the world, but yet they're not producing and they continue to create these losses. I'm, I'm wondering, how do you deal with that as a bookmaker? Yeah, it's definitely a different kind of situation. Soccer power numbers move a lot slower just because of some of the things you mentioned. You can adjust a nickel or a dime here or there, but the casual fans are still going to tie a lot of the big-name clubs into all their accumulator bets, and the accumulator is the European synonym for for a parlay that they're just going to look and they find that brand recognition, and that's exactly how they're going to bet. And when parlays play such a large role in soccer wagering, given some of the prices that you'll see with the Real Madrid's, the Barcelona's, the Bayern Munich's that are out there. That's what's going to try and drive it. And so Chelsea, actually, their struggles have helped sports books early in the season because the general public thinks it's inevitable for them to turn it around. They don't know when it's going to happen. They tie in a leg here or there, and then you watch the club continue to lose to teams that, you know, not exactly household names, the West Ham's, et cetera, of the world that are out there. Yeah, and I guess house- Oh, sorry. No, no, go, go ahead, James. I was going to say, what does the house love more, a team like what Chelsea is doing or what West Ham is doing, where they may be underestimating? I think when you have a team that's kind of played above their heads, uh, especially like a West Ham, it's actually great for the house because they're going out there and they're performing well against some of the top clubs. And any time you have the big names in European football go down, it blows up parlays. It allows the books to be in a tremendous right. situation. Because just think about it, you know, each and every weekend throughout the fall, if, if Bayern, Barcelona, and Real are all winning, all you're looking for maybe is one other leg. You throw a Man City in there, and those are four-teamers. They're barely paying even money, if that. But that's what the casual fan wants. They want to be invested in a number of different games. They're hoping that they can just break even over the long haul. You get one of those sides to go down or even right. end in a draw, you're sitting pretty as a bookmaker. And that's better than, than Chelsea nosediving, or is it about the same? No, I think Chelsea nosediving definitely helps. When the defending champs come out and struggle, and then they can't get things going no matter which competition they're playing in, uh, it's going to put books in a great spot. I'd have to imagine, of course, don't know the impact of today's FA Cup result and what that did for bookmakers in the U.K., uh, but Chelsea losing in penalty kicks has to be outstanding when you talk about some of these dogs 
And people right. always assume that when you look and you see an 8 or 9 to 1 underdog coming through, that it's actually going to put books in a very difficult spot. At most, you're going to have a handful of bettors looking to do that. The professionals aren't looking to get rich trying to catch lightning in a bottle. Uh, they're betting those teams plus a goal and a half, maybe even two goals in certain situations, just trying to win the bet, uh, not really trying to get rich off just one wager. Hey, Todd, um, we talked, we, we try to parallel the EPL and, and college football here all the time. Uh, I'm trying to wonder, as far as as far as home field advantage, let's talk um, Galatasaray, and you know, that's a, well, that's not an EPL. Let's talk Liverpool. I didn't want to say Liverpool, but you know, I'm biased <laughs> here. Um, let's talk Liverpool, although they haven't been that great at home. And let's talk uh, Florida, for instance. So I'm trying to keep it even. Do you think that's the same uh, comparison as far as advantage uh, for home? for home field, or do you think that soccer or do you think that uh, college football plays a bigger role as far as home field advantage? I think it's always apples to oranges. When when you try and look at it, and James hit the nail on the head talking about how every pitch isn't going to be the same. And so depending on which club is coming in to play at Anfield on on any given weekend, if they're suited to try and handle the elements there versus more so than their home ground, it's going to change the dynamic quite a bit. So you never want to try and make a blanket statement uh, especially in soccer, where every surface is going to be a little bit different. Teams, of course, the home team, of course, will know, you know where they're getting their bounces and where the dead patches of turf are. Where the NFL, the only thing you really look at, aside from surroundings or even college football, you're going to want to know if it's natural grass, if it's artificial turf. Do teams have a history? Are they familiar with the buildings? And have they gone in there before? Then you can discount home field advantage a little bit. And I've come to find that in, in the NFL, the whole blanket idea that home field advantage should be worth three points in actuality, there's a couple teams, and you bring up Georgia, or Florida, I should say, and of course they're playing this weekend in Jacksonville. The Jaguars, for me, get no points added to their power number when they're playing a home game. Unless it's a team coming from the Northeast in December, and I know it's going to be a little warmer down there, while a team like Seattle may not get three points that's traditionally issued, they're getting four and a half, and you can ride that number a little bit higher during prime time. The Saints, during their peak, were getting six points on prime time. What if they're in Cherry Old England, though? <laughs> it, uh, I mean, there's so many different things that are uh, going to factor into the equation. But I think when you try and make yeah. that comparison, Drew, honestly, between soccer and football, what home field is actually worth, uh, that's where handicapping plays a larger role than how odds makers will say we're going to use a blanket statement for exactly what this means. So are there ever odds on which country is going to get the World Cup, or do you just stay away from that because you never know who's going to pay the most? <laughs> European books will, will take a lot of the more exotic prop action than what you'll find here in Vegas. The gaming control board here uh, remains adherent to the principles that a game's outcome has to be determined on the field for you to take wagering action. <laughs> and so if there's anything like political elections which are outlawed or popular sentiment that can really change a betting market, such as you know the winter sports that are graded without a scoreboard, your figure skating, and anything that's discretionary, uh, those sports won't be available for wagering, I'd have to imagine, for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're, we're talking about legitimate stuff. I can't ima- imagine you uh, setting a line on the next FIFA president, right, Todd? I mean, how in the world would you do that? <laughs> I mean, you do, ha- you do have it available, and for folks that are listening to the podcast and don't know how to check some of the European numbers, uh, you can always get some interesting prices at oddschecker.com. 
that'll show a lot of the different numbers that are available. And the William Hills and the Ladbrokes of the world, they'll definitely book those bets. Of course, they won't extend the same limits that they will for actual soccer matches, uh, but they know it's going to create quite a bit of buzz. There will be people with perfect information, and they'll move aggressively off the accounts if they notice some irregularities in betting. Go ahead, James. Sorry about that. I was just going to, well, I was going to get in one a step ladder um, remark, so I can save that for last, or I can do it now. No, do it now. Okay. If you had to set the line on step ladder coming on our podcast, what do you think it would be? <laughs> it all depends on how generous you guys plan to be with your kickbacks to him, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that would be insider information, wouldn't it, Todd? I mean, that's the kind of thing that you have to take full advantage of, but I'd have made Alexi Lawless a long shot to come on the Golden Gold podcast in the first place, so you guys continue to exceed expectations that I'm sure the masses have set for you guys previously. <laughs> well, thank you. We certainly uh, appreciate that. And, and, we got, and we got the one and only Todd Furman. Don't sell yourself short here. <laughs> Growing and aspiring to greater heights that just have yet to be achieved, at least at this current juncture. Hey, Todd, tell everyone where you can find all your work at, man. I, I, I have neglected this thus far. You've blessed them with, with all this kind of information. But, but, you know, not everyone is just a sole soccer fan. We all like other sports. Tell everybody where we can uh, find your work at. Sure. Encourage people that haven't already done so. Check out sportsline.com. It's CBS's offshoot of a gambling portal, so to speak. Plenty of great information, computer simulations. Some pro membership stuff available, but overall, uh, plenty of good content for the casual fan and or gambling enthusiast to try and help his or her handicapping. And if you're looking for a little bit more in-depth analysis with a 110% gambling spin, encourage you to come over to toddstake.com, check that out, or sign up for the Bet the Board podcast where we cover football, but only of the American variety. Todd's Take is actually a really good site. I don't know how you got that going. Is that... Uh, I mean, I, I think that's a, a self-produced thing, Todd. But you've done pretty well over there. A lot of, a lot of really, really great content. Actually, hey, try and do the best. Try and do the best we can. Identify some talented writers in the space. Can't do it all on my own. Uh, so I have to thank a lot of the guys that have contributed, whether it's One Piece or some of our weekly contributors that have been with us since since we started. Uh, I'm thankful to try and showcase some of the best folks out there that have a gambling mind uh, and just want to share some of their information with an audience they might not otherwise be able to get their content in front of. And, and for our soccer folks, you do have a um, a weekly a weekly writer over there as well, right? We do. James Kempton out of the UK. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at UK Betting Pro. Provides uh, what he describes as more or less game capsules. Every fixture in the Premier League available there. He'll offer opinions, sometimes strong, sometimes ambivalent. And he has a lot of his own great content up there that we typically link to. Uh, a Premier League podcast, and then of course a Goal Rush column. So for any folks that love to bet overs in the soccer matches they wake up early to watch. He is the guy to follow, and he's had quite the hot hand to start the season. Good for him. Uh, James, go ahead, man. Uh, well, I was going to wrap it up. Uh, I don't have any other questions, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, great. Well, no, good, because I do, Todd. So let me ask you this. So when you go into the season, uh, we primarily focus on the EPL. But, you know, as you know, Atlanta's getting a – MLS team here soon. How I, James and I feel like this is a long shot, but how how in the world do you handicap the MLS different to the EPL? As you know, because they have a playoff. the The EPL does not. I mean, you have to kind of look at not setting the odds as high with the playoff, correct? 
Well, when you look at some of the prices, you're definitely going to see the numbers change. And of course, the biggest opportunity that exists differently versus the larger European domestic leagues, Champions League excluded from that equation, is that futures are going to provide you an opportunity. So unlike the Prem, where a team could be in the middle of the table and get hot and have no chance to win the league, in MLS, if a team just sneaks into the postseason, you have a Cinderella story developing all the time. And if you're able to identify a futures price before oddsmakers, who, of course, don't pay a ton of attention to MLS during the fall, uh, you're going to have a very realistic shot to cash a, a quite a nice payday. And when you talk about prices, especially in the playoffs, as I look through some of the three-way lines that are available, I mean, you're not going to find a heavy favorite. Most of these ML, MLS teams this time of year are closely bunched together, and you're able to actually find a little bit more betting value if you can identify uh, some of these sides that oddsmakers haven't quite caught up to. And that's the nice part about it. When you talk about parity, maybe more so from top to bottom, you don't truly have the haves and the have-nots in MLS like you do in a lot of the other leagues around the world. Yeah, absolutely. Once again, Todd Furman here. Follow him at Todd Furman on Twitter as well. Todd, uh, kind of finishing up with you here. One thing we have to ask, we all, like I said, we always try to relate the EPL to college football. Big game for James and I. He's a Georgia fan as well. Uh, how do you see this weekend going with Florida? Do we have a shot? Uh, you know what? I think it's kind of a coin flip game. The real question boils down to what kind of plays can Grayson Lambert make in the passing game? They're going to have to connect on a few shots downfield, open up some of those running lanes. I'm not as high on Florida as a lot of people. I think they, the team clearly lost a lot going from Will Greer to Trayon Harris. And preparation, that's the one area of concern, as it always is going into the cocktail party, that Mark Richt will get out coached. This time Florida actually has a competent coach on their sidelines. So expect some wrinkles in the Gator game plan. But I think talent-wise from top to bottom, Georgia probably a deeper roster. They just haven't played to their potential over the last handful of games. Did you hear that, James? He's giving us a chance. He's got a chance. <laughs> a chance. You, you, guys, you guys have fared better in the past as much larger underdogs than this going into the game. So three points, not exactly an uphill battle. When you look at the public betting trends early, the public thinks this game is already over, which, Drew, as you and I know, always bodes well for mm. a live dog potentially in a game yeah. of this where emotion is at an all-time high. Exactly. No, no. I, I'm, 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 uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm calmly confident about uh, Georgia's chances this week, for sure. Hey, I'm calmly not confident about it, but um, I, I totally agree. It, it's good that we have the. Uh, oh, Todd, I'm glad you said that. You're, 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 you know, making me back off the ledge a little bit here. I wasn't so sure until you said that. I just don't know Grayson Lambert and how he's going to handle it. Anyway, I really appreciate you Tom, coming on, Todd. Follow him at Todd Furman. On Twitter, follow James at James89. You can follow myself at Drew Collins as well. James, any parting thoughts? Do you have anything on Seth Blatter before we go? Um, well, the only uh, the only other question I would have is we we have um, David Nakeith who's coming on the podcast soon. He's such an outside shot, but when you do, you have any sort of opinion on on whether he might what the chances are of the next FIFA presidency? You know and what? Uh, some information, Todd, too, by the way. <laughs> don't, don't have any numbers up there and won't even begin to speculate. like to stay in my own lane rather than throwing stuff out there, <laughs> so I will defer to you guys uh, as the experts in that particular arena. Fair enough. And, and like we say, you know, listen to the podcast. Maybe you can get some inside information here. I mean, might as well try it. You know, if you think uh, David does a, a good job, then maybe you want to play some bets. You try and um, you try and find you try and find every angle that you can to possibly exploit when it comes to uh, some of the betting markets out there, whether it's a fifty dollar bet or fifty thousand dollar bet. 
he who has the best information always reigns supreme. That is right, Todd. Well, Todd, we really appreciate you coming on, and we will uh, look for you again in the near future. Like I said, Todd Furman, find him at toddstake.com. Um, you can find him on Twitter as well, at Todd Furman. Everyone, thank you for listening. You can find us on uh, iTunes. We can find us on Stitcher. Everywhere else for uh, James Carr, I'm Drew Collins. We will see you next week, same time, same place. This has been the Golden Girl Podcast.